Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. We heard today, we heard this afternoon, that Ron Joyce passed away. Ron Joyce, of course, former police officer who partnered with Tim Horton and eventually became the man who helped turn Tim Hortons from a small one-branch donut store into a an empire. And Jay, I would argue that probably the most distinctive Canadian brand out there, at least up there in the discussion. Uh, yeah, probably uh, the most. Yeah, I would I say. I mean, maybe Molson sure. would be in there or Labatt's or maybe yeah. Canadian Tire. But I mean, Tim Hortons, when you're, when you're talking, people outside Canada, when they talk about Canada, they often will mention Tim yeah. Hortons or whatever. So uh, a, a guy who had enormous impact might have had, and we talked about this this, uh, this afternoon with Scott Thompson, might have had more impact even in the community as far as being even having more of a legacy because he was going to be the money behind, or he was the money behind an NHL bid. He could have been the owner of an Mm -hmm. NHL team in Hamilton if that had arrived. That would have been interesting to see how that even would have made him more of a, of a name and a brand and everything else in the city. But, uh, back in 2015, January 6th of 2015, we chatted with him on the show we were talking, that was around the time that the Tim Hortons company was opening the, reopening the first store, the one at the corner of Wellington and Barton. Well, Ottawa and Ottawa. Oh, thank you. Thank yep. you. And that was where store number one was that was started in Hamilton and it had all been redone. Many people have been there by now. It's two floors. The bottom floor is a Tim Hortons and the upstairs is also Tim Hortons, but it's more of a museum and a, and there's a statue of Tim Hortons outside. So we caught up with Ron Joyce that day, January 6th, 2015. And we chatted about the origins of the Tim Hortons branch, the brand, the empire and how it happened. Here it is. Ron, thanks for being here tonight. Well, nice, uh, nice to be here, Scott. I've done the anniversary of, um, uh, of the fiftieth uh, year, which I I think it's getting closer to fifty one now, though it is getting closer to it for sure. Have Have you seen the new place, by the way? Uh, I've drove by it. Yeah. What What do you think? Well, I think it's the same as it was before in one sense. <laughs> Very little parking. <laughs> would Would you have been a uh, Are you a historic kind of guy? Would you have preferred them to rebuild it to look like the first one for history's sake, or are you happy with the way it looks now? Uh, the first store was, a, uh, I have to be honest with the first store was a horror show. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> the front door, like, listen, I'll tell you something. The gentleman that really started Tim Hortons was not Tim Horton. It was a guy called Jim Charade. But the gentleman was much with the food industries, <clears throat> very, very few. He also had a bunch of hamburger places in Toronto and what have you. But the interesting thing about the first store in Hamilton there in Ottawa and Dansmere, you had a men's John on the right and the women's John on the left, and that's the entrance into a food store. i got to tell you something. It, it wasn't really, really great planning, but it was an old service station. But <laughs> I think back on it, because really, Scott, it really began for me. It'll be uh, 50 years, March the 4th, when I left the Hamilton Police Department and walked into that store on March 4th, 1965. And I really believe that's when the, the thing began. Well, I mean, as you say, you were a cop in Hamilton, and I know, you know, the stereotype is that cops know something about donuts and coffee, but nonetheless, did you really know anything about the food business when you decided to go into it? 
And the problem is either the chim charade. So it was the blind leading the blind. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it worked out pretty good. Did you I know? Did. did you know Tim Horton at the time? No, I had no idea who he was. Well, no, I shouldn't know that. I knew he was a hockey player. But uh, Jim Charade was the uh, gentleman that was really was the, uh, the sort of so-called entrepreneur. Okay, so when you walk in and you decide to get involved with this, uh, for people who don't know, go right back to the beginning. When you walk in there and decide to get involved, what is on the menu at the original Tim Hortons? Oh, it was all donuts back then. Coffee was a small part. We only had uh, 13 stools, and it was very, very small. There's very little parking, as it is today. <laughs> I think we Trying to keep that tradition going, I guess. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, keep the drive through so people don't have to park. <laughs> I only unload the drive through there or not. Eh? But anyway, uh, the uh, it, it was an interesting time for me because uh, the, my trainers used a Ouija board to show me how to what we should be making, and, uh, and I'm not sure. That Seriously? Manual. <laughs> Seriously, they did that? Yeah, yeah. I was done my training. You got a Ouija board out. And, and that was that was my um, that was my work that, that was my home uh, recipe book everything Ouija board and the guy sitting there and, and pushing this thing around the table. But and so so with the stuff that was there already, how much did you immediately change, or did it take some time before you started making alterations oh, to what it, it was served? A horror show. They used to make donuts days. We came for days. Came in a they call so called keeper box, <laughs> <laughs> and, and they wrap them up in plastic and. And this, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the idea of having a nice fresh donut right out of a keeper box was, uh, well, that was a bit of a secret. <laughs> and and the, and you say coffee was actually secondary back then. Yeah, it was very little coffee. And so I am assuming then that the coffee they would have served would not have been some sort of special blend that you had devised. It was just something you'd no, go to the store no, and no, buy. No, it was just off the shelf. They didn't know anyone meant I didn't know it. I mean, but really speaking, Jim, it wasn't Tim, it was Jimmy. But, he, you know, he was a bit of a character. I got to give him credit, though. He persevered. Then he found a fish on the police department and handled it. They had to make it work. So when you, when you, Ron, when you, talking with Ron Joyce, the, the man who really built Tim Hortons into the empire, it is when you got involved with this then, um, and, and you said you didn't know a whole lot about the food industry, how do you actually go about turning something that you've described as a horror show into some place that people would want to go to? Oh, you know, here's the thing, Scott. I got very lucky in one sense. And about two years before that, I used to live on Kensington Avenue North, and I walked over to London, Maine, and a friend of mine I was in the Navy with had a Dairy Queen. And he and I had a reunion because we're on the same ship. And we went to Korea and all that. But anyway, he closed the store, and, and we happened to have a bottle of good $3 bottle of vodka, or what? <laughs> Weiser's rye whiskey. <laughs> and he and his wife and my wife and I, we sat there and talked about this industry, boosters. And I fell in love with it. And I uh, not talking to him. So I went back to the house, and the spectator had an ad in the paper for Dairy Queen. So I bought the one at, uh, down on Quinston uh, Road and uh, <clears throat> right across from the school. 
and there was a dairy queen there, so I bought that. That was my first entry into the food service industry, and I fell in love. I made three times as much money selling fun as I did uh, selling traffic tickets. And I got to tell you something: the customers are a heck of a lot more. Than Ab- absolutely. Was was the first Tim Hortons when you first took over that store? Was it always a money maker? Was it busy at the start, or was there a chance that this thing could have gone under right at the start? for the week so we were doing about a thousand dollars a week and uh in profit in profit no sales in sales okay wow and and was there was there dollars a week so fifty thousand dollars a year roughly wow was there much competition at the time for that kind of thing no not really it was unique in a sense and you know the big day of the week was sunday and uh, people going to church, come back in there and get product. So, and then, <clears throat> then over, over the years, get, start building up, building up. And, and I used to schedule my show, myself to work there, especially on Sunday because they do the books. And I'd win in the evening <laughs> on a Sunday night because there's no customers anyway. So it, <laughs> that's why I work. So, so clearly back then, I mean, it's, it's pretty modest to begin with. There, it doesn't sound like at the start there were any real plans for world domination with this kind of thing. It was keep the one store alive. Well, it wasn't really. A, I think we wanted to dominate Hamilton, but not in the world. But because but we opened the second store in May, and I had to borrow the money to do that on Concession Street. And um, I figured if they opened the second one, going to destroy the first one. I think probably now there's probably 25 or 30 or 40 or 50 of them in Hamilton, so I don't know. How? But I'm going back a long time ago. No, absolutely. absolutely. How back involved? Sixty-five. And that was the real beginning, really, of Hortons. And then, uh, uh, the, uh, in my opinion, because uh, up to then there had been two franchises, he went broke. And the store was being managed by nuts and, uh, and so on and so forth. But but interesting times, but I, looked, I was talking to Ed and at all. Uh, tonight, he took over the store from me. And I think of that, the number of policemen, uh, Hamilton policemen that came on the business. We had, our first guy was Pat McGriner. He's deceased now, but a good buddy. He ran the department. He wanted to, he wanted to get in the food service industry. And then we had John Kerr. We had, oh, let's see, I can go on and on. And the Al Murray had number six store in Ottawa, or the, Upper James and Mohawk, and uh, that became the number one store in the system. And, uh, you know, back in those years, golly, we had fun. How involved in those days was Tim Horton? Was it was he hands-on, or was he just the name behind it? No, he was just the name behind it, really. Did he show up often? Well, he was a friend. I mean, no, he, in the summertime, he would try and come around, but he really knew nothing about the industry. Uh, I... I <laughs> Funny part of his story with him when we had to store number seventeen was our training store on Trafalgar Road in Oakville, and and Timmy took two weeks off. No, there you go. He took some of us in the summertime, like from hockey, and I gave the baker two weeks off, and I said, okay, he wanted me to teach him to bake. After burning herself, I don't know how many times after three days, that the end of this training program. <laughs> and guess what? I had still had to work the other rest of those 
two-week period, <laughs> making the Darren Donuts for the stores. But anyway, that's a long time ago. Uh, a you, lot of laughs. You, yeah, it sounds like it. And you have talked about how you were friends with him. I understand that... Uh, um, we buddies. Oh, well, I understand he called you Blub. Is that right? He called me Blub. What, was that, is that the something night, to do with size? The night he died, we were set together at 4 o'clock in the morning in the office talking about the industry. We had 38 stores in. And we're sitting there. And I said, Timmy... I've got to go home. I've got to, I've got to be in Cerny tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock. It's now 4 o'clock in the morning. And uh, so he came over and he said, I love you, blood. And he said, I'll lock up. And uh, I got in my car and I went home. I, I convinced him to come stay in my house rather than drive to Buffalo. <laughs> and the funny part of the story is he went by me. Uh, well, halfway between Oakville and Burlington, and last I saw him, that was the night the he next, died. Yeah, the next time I heard anything about Timmy was when Jim Lack called me from from St. Catherine, told me that that Tim had been in an accident, and he said, uh, "I said, well, how bad is it? But he's dead. I knew I should have brought him that, and it's a lip car and." Uh, and that's the first I heard. But so anyway, that was, that was bringing back memories to me right now. I'm an old guy now. I'm almost 85. And I go back to memories when I was only 35 then. Wow. And uh, Scott, how old are you? Uh, me? I'm 47. Well, you know, you're, you're, you know you're, you've got a great future. And, and life is an exciting adventure as you'll ever get, especially with your life. Because we only get one kick at it. Absolutely, and, uh, absolutely. And I've had just a marvelous journey. Well, it, it, it has, I mean, obviously the coffee and donut and restaurant business has been very good to you. I, I was going to ask you if you think, could this could this story, could your story, could the Tim Horton story have started now in the Starbucks and McDonald's and everything absolutely else? Absolutely not. We were in the right spot at the right time in history. You know, that was back in the beginning. There was no McDonald's then, for instance, in right. around when we opened. And the whole food service industry was it took off. I mean, you, you know, in here within Canada, we had Country Style, and which I think originally was an American chain. And you know, Harvey's and, and Swiss Chalet and so on and so forth. And then the, a lot of the American chains came in. But today, to develop a, a 4,000 store chain, like when I left the company, we had over 2,000 stores. And and uh, I sold to Wendy's because I really believe there's a great future for the combo for the game, for Horns to expand with Wendy's in the United States. And I made a mistake. But boy, we all make mistakes. Uh, and that was one of my biggest ones. But uh, having said that, the chain is uh, now going through another evolution. I think Burger King have now purchased it. I don't know where that's going to take it, but uh, it's a long way from this, the beginning when the hockey player and an ex-policeman. That's absolutely right. Ron, why, just very quickly, because we're almost out of time, you say it's a mistake. Why, why do you now look at your sale of it to Wendy's as a mistake? They weren't the company I thought they were. You know, they were not, they were not near as aggressive in, in, uh, in, in putting things together, but, but that's, 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 that's an easy hindsight. Because we know that today. Hmm. Now, uh, 
I think the reality is uh, if if I had to do it all over again in that way, uh, I was afraid to go public. And that was a huge mistake because that's really what the biggest mistake was. They started taking the thing public. Hmm. Myself and so that they did it. And uh, look at it today, the stock is one of the highest. Sure. And and really, in the, what made it work? It was Horton's. Obviously, it wasn't Wendy's. It yeah. Was you must. You and must, that's why Burger King has bought it. Look at it; it's a jewel. Well, you must have looked at the stocks the day that it did go on sale, and everybody was clamoring to get it. You, you must have looked at that with some wide eyes that day. <laughs> I tell you something, Scott. <clears throat> That's a great thing about history. You can't do much about it. <laughs> That's true enough. Ron, we got to go, but I, I want to just finish with this because I understand there's a really nice, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, a nice sort of wraparound to this story. Your son ended up marrying Tim Horton's daughter. Is that not correct? That's right. Jerry Lynn. And she is going to be at the opening of the store tomorrow. I understand that. That is fantastic. That's a great, uh, it's a great little piece of, well, of here, information. There's the interesting things part of that story. If I could pick up Absolutely. Uh, I, when uh, Timmy died, I wanted a Horton to come back inside the management of the team, and I and, I, and he had four daughters, but was, Jerry Lynn I thought would be the logical one. And unfortunately, she was on the store in, in Trenton, and she met my son, and she fell in love, and they fell in love, and they ended up getting married. So there goes my trainee in management. Anyway, that's. And they've done a heck of a good job running up eight stores. Well, absolutely. And she'll be, I understand, as I say, she'll be at the opening tomorrow. People could say hi to her. And, Ron, really appreciate you taking time today to talk about this and to reminisce a bit. It's uh, it's obviously, as I say, the the thing that people think about when they think about Hamilton, the ti- Tim Hortons and the Ty Cats, and now they're connected at the hip. So uh, so it's all good. Ron, thanks for doing this Listen, tonight. One last shot to Scott. Yeah. Hamilton is where, where this chain began. It wasn't Toronto. It was, it was, it was, it was Hamilton. And an awful lot of the store owners that became part of it were Hamilton policemen. And I know the chief one time, I thanked him for training some great people uh, to be uh, donut operators. And <laughs> So anyway, Scott, good talking to you. Thanks. Maybe you're just listening to me, I suppose. That's okay, Ron. Really appreciate your time tonight. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.